Please stand for the reading of the Gospel. We read from Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, beginning at verse 46. They came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho, a blind man, Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road begging. When he heard that it was Jesus the Nazarene, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many told him to be quiet, but he kept shouting all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. They called the blind man, saying, Cheer up, get up, he is calling you. He tossed aside his outer garment, jumped up, and went to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked him. The blind man replied, Rabboni, I want to see again. Jesus told him, Go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he received his sight and began following Jesus on the road. This is the gospel of our Lord, we pray. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Fellow redeemed friends in Christ Jesus, who is the son of David and who has had mercy on us. Few people in history have had more, more things written about them and have written more things themselves personally than Martin Luther. And yet, as true as that is, it's kind of strange. There's a very, there are very few things that were written about his last days on this earth. One of the only notable things that we know about Luther's last days on this earth comes from a note that he left that had two short phrases on it, one in Latin and one in German. What do you think was on that note? Here's Martin Luther, who came from the obscurity of being a copper miner's son in Eisleben, Germany, to someone who in 1999, by the TV station A&E, was ranked as the the third most influential person in the entire second millennium A.D., How about this German monk, lowly German monk who brought the mighty Roman Catholic Church to its knees? This theologian whom God had given gifts to translate Scripture, interpret Scripture, properly divide Scripture, and clearly communicate Scripture. What would a man of his stature be thinking? What would be on his mind as his life on this earth drew to a close? Well, here's what he wrote, and maybe some of you are familiar with it. He wrote, Hoc est verum, wir sind alle Bettler. Which means, this is true, we are all beggars. Was he right? Are we all beggars? Well, the beggar in our story, in our text for today, will help us answer that question. Let's set the context a little bit. It's just a couple days before Holy Week. A couple days before Jesus will enter Jerusalem riding on a donkey to shouts of Hosanna and just a few more days until he will be marched, forcibly marched out of Jerusalem to cries of crucify him. He and his disciples are making their way through Jericho, which was a small town about 15 miles away from Jerusalem. That's where we meet our beggar. As Jesus and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho, a blind man Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road begging. Partially due to poor hygiene and partially due to the fact that they didn't really have 
a comprehensive medical understanding like we do today, blindness was very common in Jesus' day. And it, it was a lot worse. I mean, blindness in any age is a tragedy, but blindness in Jesus' day was truly awful. Uh, there were no braille schools. There were no guide dogs. There were no talking road signs. There was, there was very little way for a blind person to be able to travel or communicate with other people at all. And so a blind person was inevitably relegated to begging for their livelihood. And to add insult to injury, there was a social stigma at that time that if you were struck with blindness, someone, either you or one of your ancestors, had sinned, and your blindness is evidence that God is punishing you, that God is angry at you. So Bartimaeus was under no illusion. He may have been blind, but he knew that he was totally helpless, that he relied on others' mercy for his very livelihood. But as blind as Bartimaeus was, he could see something by God's grace far more clearly than than many of his peers, many of the people in this crowd could. He could clearly see who Jesus was. He couldn't see. He probably couldn't make his way very easily to the temple to offer his sacrifices there. But he did have ears, and his ears worked just fine. And he used those ears. He heard the news that there was this man called Jesus of Nazareth traveling throughout Israel, proclaiming a message of God's grace and forgiveness for sinners, a message which he wasn't hearing from the Jewish teachers, and performing miracles that that had never been done before. And then when he heard that this Jesus of Nazareth was, was coming through Jericho, passing by on the very road that he was begging on, he believed that his Savior had come. Many of the people in the crowd didn't believe that. In fact, many of the people in this crowd would be later uh, calling for Jesus' crucifixion. Crucify him. But having put together the dots of what he had learned from the Old Testament, that God would send David a son who would rule on his throne and who would reestablish Israel and would bring the blind and the sick to him for salvation, Bartimaeus knew that this was that man. That's why he cried out as he did. He used a, 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 an official term for Jesus as the Messiah, Son of David. He, he began to shout, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. I think there are several lessons we can learn from this blind beggar named Bartimaeus. In our world, most people have to see something before they believe it. Right? I don't know if you've noticed, but now that more and more Things are videotaped with smartphones and we see more and more crimes committed or or accidents happening, tragedies happening. How much more impact something has on you when you see it than, than when you just hear about it? Seeing is believing in our world today. Bartimaeus flips that totally on its head. Bartimaeus hadn't seen anything. There was nothing on which he had seen that he could base his faith. Instead, he believed because he heard. Faith doesn't come from seeing. Faith comes from hearing the message, Paul tells us. And that was true for Bartimaeus, and it's still true for us today. I can't show you after the absolution was pronounced. I can't show you after sometimes the the church sadly has to make a declaration of excommunication. I can't show you heaven 
where God's record books are showing that, that either your sins have been totally wiped away or, if you are impenitent, that your sins have been retained. I can't show you that, but I can repeat Jesus' words, His promise, whenever you forgive people's sins, they are forgiven. Whenever you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. When we bring someone to this font for baptism, all we see with our eyes is somebody getting a little bit wet. But Peter testifies that when someone gets wet in connection with the Word, in connection with the name of the triune God, baptism saves you. When we come to this altar, all we see is regular bread and wine. But we have Jesus' Word, Jesus' promise, Jesus' oath, His last will and testament that this is truly His body and His blood for the forgiveness of our sins. Just like Bartimaeus Our faith doesn't come through what we see. Our faith comes through what we hear. Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the Word of Christ. We can also learn something about our identity from this blind beggar named Bartimaeus, right? Our identity before God is no different than his was. We are beggars. Scripture is perfectly crystal clear in what we are by nature, that by conception and by our birth into this world, we don't have true fear of God or true faith in God. That we are born dead in our sins, that we are born blind to the good news of the Gospel, that we are born as enemies of God and therefore doomed to damnation in hell. That's who we really are. That's all we really have to offer to God is our sin. We are empty-handed beggars. And And that's reflected in our liturgy so richly. The phrase that we use so regularly throughout our worship service is what? Lord, have mercy. In the Kyrie, we just sang a few moments before at the beginning of the service. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy because we are utter beggars in your sight. Pitiful, miserable, filthy sinners. And those words of the Kyrie, the Lord, have mercy, they not only remind us of who we are, on our own in God's presence, but they also direct our eyes to the one who can show us mercy. They direct us to Christ. He's the one who can and will and promises to give us mercy. We can also learn about persistence from Bartimaeus, right? The, the crowd tried to shut him up. The crowd said, don't be, be quiet. Don't bother Jesus. He's got better things to do. He kept shouting all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. They called the blind man saying, Cheer up, get up. He is calling you. Now you would think Jesus would have better things to do. If it's only about ten days or so before he's about to hang on a cross, you would think that Jesus would have better things to do, better people to see, better preparations to make. Maybe he would want to be all alone in prayer to his heavenly Father to find the strength to go forward with this mission of dying for the sins of the world. You would think he'd have better things to do than worry about some miserable beggar wanting something from him. But he didn't. I think Satan sometimes tempts us to think that Jesus has better things to do and better people to worry about than us. That he's probably busy taking care of the big issues and the big important people in the world and he doesn't have time for miserable little no-name beggars like us. But you'd be wrong. You're the very people that Jesus sets aside his time for. 
the very lowliest. You look throughout his ministry. He was always looking for the people that no one else noticed. You look at how he sought out women. How, how esteemed women were in his eyes. Beggars, blind people, the lame, even lepers. Jesus certainly has time for you. He came to seek and to save the lost. He came for beggars. Beggars like Bartimaeus and beggars like you and I. When Jesus called, Bartimaeus didn't waste any time. He jumped up, got rid of his cloak, and ran to Jesus. Now, as a beggar, that cloak very well quite have been his only earthly possession. That cloak was probably the roof over his head and the the mattress underneath his back. It was his shade tree. It was probably his pantry. It was probably his wallet. But he threw it away. He didn't let anything get in between him and Jesus. That's the fourth lesson I think we learn. Is there anything getting in between us and Jesus? Is there anything getting in between us and calling to him for mercy and and praying to Him. Why aren't we jumping up every single day, every morning and every evening, every time we're driving to work, every time we're driving home from work? Why aren't we on the horn with Jesus, begging Him for help, asking Him for mercy, asking Him for strength? What are the things that might get in the way of us doing that? Praying without ceasing. Well, maybe pride gets in the way. We like to handle our problems ourselves. We're like little kids that say, Mommy, Daddy, I can do it all by myself. And that can hinder our prayer life. Maybe it's embarrassment. Are we embarrassed to beg our Lord for help? Maybe it's an unhealthy reliance on the helpers of this world. Maybe instead of praying to the Lord, we think, Well, I have a lawyer, I have a financial advisor, I have a doctor, they can figure it out for me. Maybe it's unbelief. Maybe we don't pray because we don't believe Jesus can actually help us. Maybe it's guilt or shame. Maybe you know that Jesus knows exactly what you've done. And you think, I can't possibly pray to Him. Not as filthy and shameful as I've lived and spoken and acted. But remember this. You coming to Jesus and asking for help is not based on you or your worthiness. If it were, no one could pray to Jesus. It's based completely on Him, His promises, His power, and His mercy. And He promises that He's here for you. He promises to listen to you. He promises to be merciful to you. Not because you deserve it. You don't. None of us do. But because He is gracious. Because He is merciful. Coming to Jesus is not about you. It's about Him and His mercy. And here's the proof that Jesus cares about beggars like us. He answers Bartimaeus, What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man replied, Rabboni, I want to see again. Think about the guts it took for him to make that request. If you've run into beggars, panhandlers in your life, they generally don't have extravagant requests. They want some money for food or for shelter or a sandwich or something. They don't usually ask for your car. They don't ask to take possession of your house. And yet here's Bartimaeus, and he's not just asking for food. He's not just asking for money for beer or for a ride. He's asking for an impossible miracle. He's asking for his sight to be restored. That's how confident he is that Jesus is the promised Messiah, the Savior, the Son of David God would send 
to make things right, to, to restore the things that sin had destroyed, including our eyesight. He believed that, that Jesus could do this and would do this for him. And Jesus answered him, Go, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight. Now simply that's described. that A blind man, just like that, his sight is restored. Why was his sight restored? Because we know that all of the blind people in Jesus' day didn't have their sight restored. Jesus says, your faith has made you well. Now what does that mean? In what way did his faith make him well? Now you know like I do that there are faith healers on television, uh, faith healers on the internet, faith healers probably in our own city here in Madison that claim that your faith can heal you if only your faith is strong enough. If you have faith that can move mountains, if you have faith that never, never shudders, never is weak, never fails, then you too can have healing just like Bartimaeus did. They give all the credit to him. Oh, if that were true, I don't think that even stands up to, to logic. If that were true, why did Bartimaeus wait so long? Why didn't he just believe himself restored sight before this? Why did he have to wait for Jesus to come walking past him on the road? No, Bartimaeus was not healed because he had such a strong faith. He was healed because he was a beggar and because he opened those hands of faith to the right person. Just to be blunt, just to be crass, the only reason that Bartimaeus was healed is because his faith led him to the right guy, in the right direction. That's what faith is. Our faith, it's like a roller coaster, isn't it, from day to day? How strong our faith feels. But as long as that faith is, is in the right direction, as long as you are opening your hand to Christ and His cross, that's strong faith. That's saving faith. That's faith that will work the miracle of taking you to heaven. Bartimaeus had that faith. And Bartimaeus' faith didn't stop there. He began following Jesus on the road. And remember, it's still just days before Holy Week, just days before Jesus will enter Jerusalem, which was the hornet's nest of his enemies, where the Pharisees and the rest of the leaders who wanted him dead were. Bartimaeus must have heard some of the chatter that they were planning to kill him. And he must have known that it wouldn't even just be dangerous to go to Jerusalem for Jesus. It would be dangerous for anyone who followed him there confessing his name. And yet he followed. He, he went. Because even though he wasn't blind anymore, even though now he could probably find himself a job and make himself an income, even though he could find his way around the world again, he knew he still needed Jesus. He knew that even though his eyes had been healed, his sin hadn't yet been taken away. He knew he needed Jesus to go to that cross and rise again for him. And that's a good reminder for us as well. I think too often, for myself personally, and probably for all of us, we're, we're like nine out of those ten lepers who, who once Jesus answers our prayer, once he, he gives us what we ask for, then we forget to follow him. Then we just go our own way. But Bartimaeus shows us to never forget that even if Jesus takes care of some of our earthly problems for us, those aren't really our greatest needs. That we still need to follow Him. That from the moment we take our first breath in this world to the moment we take our last, we are always beggars 
who have nothing to offer to Jesus, who always need His mercy. That's why when I look out this morning at the people in this room, that's what I see. I see beggars who are here holding out their hands, begging Jesus to give them the forgiveness and the salvation that they need. I hope that's what you see when you look up here too. Because that's what the church is. This isn't a a place where proud, self-sufficient, righteous people come. This is a place where filthy beggars like us come to have our needs met by the only one who can meet them, and that's Jesus. That's how we joyfully follow Jesus. We don't have to follow Him into Jerusalem. We follow Him by coming here with open hands to receive the gifts that He wants to give us. Martin Luther made many contributions to society, to Western society especially, even outside of religion. Um, He was... He was a voice for the voiceless. He, he stood up to power when he saw injustice. He, he clarified the, the different roles of, of church and state. He was a big advocate of civic service and even serving in the military. Some people credit Martin Luther with inventing social media through his use of the printing press to, to spread his message of, which was intended to reform the church. Now, For that one, I'm not sure if we should thank him or, or curse him for inventing social media, but today we thank him for his revolutionary idea of identity, personal identity, that we are all beggars. Wir sind alle Bettler. We are today and we always will be. We're beggars who, the only thing we can really do is cry for mercy. We're beggars who don't really have to do anything except receive the gifts that Jesus wants to give us we're beggars who joyfully follow where Jesus leads us, with his, which is to eternal life. Thank God that Jesus has enough mercy for all of us beggars. Amen. Amen.